right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. I will say there is uh, there is one thing that's that's clear. I had tweeted, I think it was last Monday, the really, well, maybe it was longer than that. Maybe it was last Saturday. But I was... I was reading the incredible piece that Andy Staples had written about, right, understanding the offense and where they where they need to go and what they need to do and, and defensively issues, things of that nature. And there was the quote that uh, – oh, here it is. I found it. Yeah, it was a couple weeks ago. About how the defense, you know, there's a lot of things they got to do and – Andy had asked that turnip seed, what's different at Oklahoma than the places that you've been? He said, what's different here, they've not really felt any pain. They've been pretty daggum good. They've been great. Well, Saturday was pain, (laughs) y'all. Saturday was pain. Saturday before that was too. So we felt some. It's, It's still a true statement. He's a bazillion percent right. Dude, I was thinking about this a lot. And we're not going to spend – I mean, listen, there's other things to get to, but obviously this is a major story for what this station is all about. (laughs) And it's not going anywhere, even if they win, Josh. Because then what happens, they win a game. It's like, well, where was that? Um, Or even start patching a few together. I mean, I feel like we're saying the same thing. Hey, if they can just get something going, they just haven't been able to get anything going consistently. And it's a myriad of issues. But, you know, I was thinking about this, the – the stripping to the studs, right, that we hear about quite a bit. We, we hear quite a bit, right? And it had been a hard sell for people. I mean, you're coming into a place that, and that hit it right on the head. Pretty dadgum good. I mean, great program. And you're telling them you have to do these things differently. This is where this needs to be, right? And – there's going to be pain along the way. I just, I understand that, and I get that, and I know the building process is hard. But, Josh, it just, it, it can't be like this, right? I mean, it, it couldn't have, it couldn't have been this bad. It's just, then someone's working some wizardry if, if this is how kind of challenged things had been behind the scenes to get Oklahoma to where they've been last couple of years. And I'm not saying that's the case, by the way. I'm just making that very clear. It's just, you tell a lot of people that it had some success, they're going to do things differently from players to coaches to fans to administrators to staff, you name it. And it's got to be, it's got to be pretty, pretty hard, Josh, whenever you're in those positions and suddenly you're being told, you know, that's not, good enough or this is how it needs to be done and unfortunately you know you you've been smoked the last few weeks it's hard right if i came in here and i said i'm going to do a show that is going to do nothing but give away a hundred dollars every hour and take phone call after phone call after phone call uh, we're gonna get it done and i never had a giveaway or, or never took a call <laughs> at some point you'd be like 
what's what's going on here? Or you had sellers out and you're telling them that, no, 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 don't sell my show anymore. Sell Josh, sell me, and it's just whatever. You know, it's, it's not a complete 180. It's just different. And it's tough to have that message resonate whenever the struggles on the field have been what they are, right? I mean, that's natural, isn't it? Has to be, yeah. Human nature, it's that way. Everywhere. And that's why you just got to find a way into the win column if you're Oklahoma. Return of Dylan Gabriel, again, is going to help a lot. Offensively, there's a bunch of problems that they've got defensively that have to get shored up. Coming home to OU, you would think, will help this team, should help this team. Getting back inside Gaylord Family, Oklahoma Memorial Stadium, should be should be a helper for this team for Oklahoma. But, man, you're right. When you're sitting there saying, hey, this isn't good enough and you need to do it this way, and you're not delivering results, and in fact – the results that you're delivering are worse than what the previous regime that everybody yeah. spent all offseason trashing all over. When the results are worse than that, yeah, I, I, it's tough. We hear that buzz phrase buy-in. Well, what does the buy-in look like right now, and what will it look like going forward? I, I do think that. Oof. I do think it's fair to wonder what that looks like and be a little bit concerned if again there's no results soon. The 615 just gave us a good comp. What, you guys didn't like my Raiders comp? Although that was pretty good. You guys remember in 2017 how happy I was after week two for the Raiders? I mean, in in stupid, pointless things like power rankings, they were like number two. Derek Carr was coming off an MVP-type season, had just broke his leg. His leg was broken. Now, granted, he did break his back. His back was broken during the 17th season, so that didn't help him out. But the, the 615 does bring an unfortunate comparison. I hate to bring it up, but you're looking for a comp? About 1995. OU started 3-0. New head coach. Then went south very quickly. And we finished 2-5-1 in the last seven games. The good news is BV isn't rolling and hung over like Schnelly was, so there's that. Yeah, that is good. That's that's a big piece. That's a fu- that's a really interesting comparison. And I'll tell you what, um, that fourth game in '95, I want to say was the first OU game that I went to. I think it was. I'm trying to remember because I got here in '93. My memory sucks. But I remember just being in awe of the tailgate scene, right? And that 95 game was the – it was a primetime game against Colorado. And, bro, again, like I said, I was 22 at the time. I didn't know S from S. But, I mean, I was just – I was in awe. I think I I think I'd kind of fallen in love with Oklahoma football that night, to be honest with you. And and they went out, and that place that place was hungry, man. Now, again, they hadn't necessarily rolled their first two opponents right. They had beat San Diego State. They had knocked off SMU, and, and they destroyed North Texas, right? So they were 3-0. and And I want to say, I want to say game day was in Norman for that in 95. Is that possible? It was – what I'm looking at, it was 
Number ten Oklahoma versus number four right? Colorado. So I'm yeah, I'm, I'm sure it was one of the biggest games that week. They just got smoked, man. And you and you didn't hear from them, you know, outside of a, you know, they tied in the Red River rivalry that year, but it just, it, it just really seemed to take a lot of the air out of that program. Now. Again, a little different because they didn't lose three straight until the end of the season, including the Bedlam game, which was a 12-zip snoozer. But, yeah. Oh. Matt Rule just got fired. Carolina has moved on from Matt Rule, according to Spotter Shep. And the Steel Man has confirmed that game day was there. That's all I need to know. Um, breaking news from the National Football League. It looks like, no longer looks like, Matt Rule is out in Carolina. Huh. Shocked at all, Josh? No. I thought after yesterday there was a chance it would happen. I didn't know if they would do it in season or, or stick with it the rest of the way, but we knew that he was on thin ice to come into this season. We knew that that's part of the reason they went and got an established starter in Baker Mayfield. None of that has worked. Uh, if anything, Carolina's the same or worse. And as a result, you know, in the National Football League, if you're not winning, then you're not employed. Mm. All right. So a little breaking news. Matt Rule, who went 11-27 and 27 during his three seasons in Carolina, has been fired with four years left on his seven-year contract that he received in 2020. Do you uh, do you think he plans to jump back into the college game? Because I think he'd be a heck of a fit. Now, I don't know. Shep has him to Lincoln already. It looks like Wisconsin's given Jim Leonard every chance to win that job. But, I mean, you would have to think that there'd be some programs that wouldn't mind bringing in a guy who, you know, orchestrated turnarounds in Temple and Baylor to the degree that Matt Rule did. Right? Well, I think he's going, going – if he wants to be a head coach, I think he's going to have to go to college. He's not getting another pro job right now. I, I don't think he's one of those NFL coaches that – gets the retread treatment where all no. of a sudden he winds up somewhere else because he doesn't have that history of success in the National Football League. He's got that in college. Like you said, Temple, Baylor, what he did at those two stops. And, you know, I, I think he'd be a terrific fit in Lincoln. To I be honest too. with you. I think that'd be a great hire for them if they make it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I do think he'll jump back into the college game. I think he'll be very good at it. All right. Uh, anyway, there's your breaking news. Here is – um. Here's a good question off Twitter.com, or at least a good point. And I've been, I've been kind of going back and forth on this, to be honest with you. And, Mark, I guess you and I are kind of thinking the same way at Colin DM184. He writes, it feels like all the air went out of the season since Kansas State converted third and 16. Right? I mean, I, I I know that you can kind of, oh, you went down the field and scored and had a chance to get an onside kick back in, oh, gosh, what was that, week four against Kansas State. But 
and the, and the place was rocking, dude. It was, it was, it was rocking. I mean, absolutely, positively rocking. Third and sixteen, Kansas State, forty-one yard line. You're, you're about to get the football back, down by a score, in a game that. Everything seemed to have gone wrong for you out of the gates. And Adrian Martinez runs for 55 yards. Yeah, it's it's a really good point. You know, it's, since Dylan Gabriel got hurt, since then it seems like any little bit of adversity kind of pulls everyone into it. There hasn't been this ability to trampoline out of it. Be like, oh, we're fine. We got this. Even – you know, even with a backup quarterback, gets worse. Yeah, I was working on some numbers on that. And so, Mark, you and I are thinking on the same wavelength. But you're supposed to be mentally tough enough where one play doesn't do that to you, right? And if that's the case, then are you at the right place? You know, or, or is that your kind of player? But it is kind of wild, Josh. <laughs> even though OU did score after Kansas State went back up by two, to make it 41-27, uh, it, it just seems as if from that moment everything has gone south for Oklahoma Sooner football. I know. Everything. And... I was trying to blame it on Adrian Peterson getting knocked out by Le'Veon Bell. Um, apparently not. I was trying to blame it on uh, anything beyond like a Sooner. Re- maybe we're just in a little funk of bad luck right now. But no, no, no. Uh, Adrian Martinez may have ripped our soul out on third and 16. It feels like it. Yes, that that play just sucked the life out of this program, and they've not been able to find it, man. All options have to be on the table defensively at this point, right? I mean, clearly you're not getting any sort of results from your established playmakers. Use that playmaker term very loosely here. <laughs> it's It's time to play some other guys. I think – You've got to. I know that you've got what you feel like is established leadership and guys that have a lot of reps, and it can be scary and frightening the results that you might get from some of your younger players. But, right. man, at this point, I think you're almost you're almost pressed to do that. Do you feel that way? Will you look and see how many snaps Grayson Halton got on Saturday? Uh, yeah, I can do that for you. Because I don't feel like I saw him on the field. Now, again, like I said, I'm not uh, – I'm usually working behind the benches. I'm just trying to get any little tidbits that I can, uh, obviously following injuries and things of that nature. And at least once or twice during the OU-Texas game, I find a moment where I'm like, okay, sidelines aren't crazy down here. I'm going to sit and watch this series and just take it in. And I was able to do that twice. But I just – you know, you, you talk about giving younger guys an opportunity, right? Okay, R. Mason Thomas, healthy, was back out there a lot. A lot. On Saturday, I felt. Um, I don't feel like Grayson Halton got as many snaps as I thought he would. Two. 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 Per pro football focus. Um, Canick, like 12 maybe? 16. Okay. I think, I think now is that moment where going forward you start – Figuring out, all right, who's – you still are coaching to win games. Okay, I, I know that 
for some of you, it's, it's like um, the end. And I, under, I listen. I'm not complaining. I'm not saying anything. I completely and totally understand. But now I feel like, all right, what does? Well, let's make sure a we can get our receivers involved in the game plan, right? But what what does Jaden Gibson have? You know, what does a um, if you're looking at the tight end position, which has not been bad, but all right, let's see a little bit of, of Jace Llewellyn and, and what he's going to be all about. Uh, let's see more Javante Barnes. And I'm just mentioning uh, offensive guys, and, I mean, obviously Nick Evers falls into that mix, but the Jacob Sextons, the Jake Taylors on the offensive line. You know, I, I don't know. We saw Kip Lewis on Saturday. I think he got a couple snaps late in that game. Got three. So maybe it's a, a spot for him to where – all right, we've seen what it what it looks like in the in the weight room. He's getting where we need him to be. Let's go. I don't think that's going to be the case with Colby McKenzie, but yeah, let's see a little bit more of of Canick and and maybe a Kip Lewis, right? Um, I, the weirdest thing for me in all of this is you know we they, we got. Big, strong dudes. I'm not questioning that at all. And Billy Bowman being out hurts that back end for us in the secondary. But it's so weird to look at the guys playing safety for the last two teams we matched up against. And they just they, – they, they look infinitely larger and more football-y than any of our dudes right now. And I thought – I thought it was really cool to see Woody Washington play safety. And he was hurt most of the game. And I'm sure there's some things looking back that he did that he needs to improve on. Um, but I thought that was really cool. But why do we have to do that? Why isn't Trey Morrison more of a factor? You know, is is, is Jane Rowe and Jordan Mukes just going to be Oklahoma guy? Now, now, Rowe got in the game a little bit late, and so did Robert Spears Jennings. But – are they do is Bryson Washington is he ever going to be a, a a factor for this team? Saturday was the first time I remember seeing Bryson Washington in a uniform down on the sideline. What happened to Key Lawrence? What, yeah, I, I, yes, I mean, put him in what, my spotlight this week. What happened? I mean, this this is somebody that looked like was last season maybe going to wind up being one of Oklahoma's best defensive backs and MIA missing in action. I, I don't know it. it I don't know if you put that blame on the staff. I don't know if you put it on Key Lawrence for lack of development. It's puzzling for just that individual case. Well, and then uh, Byron off Twitter asks a very good question. Why does the staff seem so reluctant on playing true freshmen? At some point, you have to realize the older guys are not getting it done. Well, and I think that's where we're at now. You've You've lost three straight. You're clearly not a factor in the Big 12 championship hunt. I mean... You can win out and not get into the Big 12 championship game at this point now. So you you got to get something out of 2022. <laughs> yeah, you got to. And you if it's to. if it's that, then it's that. Um, <laughs> one real quick one before we break. This is from the 417. Third and 16 will be this generation's version of the Boise State statue. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh because it hurts. It's funny. Um, quick break. When we come back right here on the ref, uh, I've got a little Brent Venables post game that we'll get to from Saturday night. We've got Lebby and Chavis in the coach's corner. 
uh, Levy and Roof, Jeff Levy and Ted Roof, are meeting with the media in about, I don't know, 30 minutes from now. So let's get after it. It's the Plank Show, your text, and audio from Coach Venables next right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Do you know what I think, Josh? I think I've taken the most recent text to heart. And I'm gonna I'm personally gonna fix it. Uh, from the four oh five. We can ask questions all day long. But if you guys just read those questions and never try to answer, what good are you? Again, why not play the youngsters now? They recruited them. I mean, okay. I, I think that's what you're gonna start seeing more, but in the evidence that we gave you, you didn't even really see a lot of that until very late in the game on Saturday, right? When, when you had a chance to even play Nick Evers. Like I, one of my storylines I was watching quite a bit, Josh, before we get an update from Coach Venables on Dylan Gabriel and what he said in the postgame yesterday, one of the – I was just watching to see if anyone even got up and started warming up or started, you know, potentially preparing themselves as if they were going to come in the game. It never happened. It never happened. So it was Davis Bevel or the Willis Cat to get you there. So they had a chance to go young at quarterback, chose not to. Maybe we'll learn a little bit why. Maybe we'll get questions on the progression of Nick Evers and where he is. But, yeah, no, it's, it was the first text that we read on the show today. And it's the greatest text that's ever been sent to this program over the last three, three weeks. If anyone had an answer, they'd fix it. Nobody knows what the hell's going on. And that's the most frustrating part of all of this you can't point to one or two things josh it's like this avalanche of of mistakes yeah it's a wildfire right try and contain it in one spot and guess what flames are torching somewhere else so there's a lot of problems with this oklahoma football team right now which is of course the mark of a bad football team so they've got to get things ironed down on how how can we be better defensively? And, you know, to me, if you're asking, okay, well, what are the answers? Well, step one is get out of this three-down lineman thing. What What is going on with that? It clearly isn't working. So why keep banging your head against the wall trying to do that? I, I just – it makes no sense. And it, and it looked like when they did use a little bit more four-man front – true four-man fronts that they, they, had, a, they had some success. So – when we asked Todd Bates about it uh, last Monday, what he'd tell us, we're always going to be multiple in everything that we do. So, And that's great, but there's no Indomitian Sioux on this roster. You need a beast at that defensive tackle spot, I think, to really be successful. I I may be way off. Teddy might be able to go, and will, I'm sure, go more in depth. But if you don't have, gosh, Josh – Don Terry Poe, trying to think of great nose tackles. You mentioned Indomitian Sue, Ger- Gerald McCoy. You know, you don't right. have that, you don't have that beast. It's 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 hard to do what you want to do. And by the way, Clemson had those dudes. Yeah, right. They, yep. they, they did. They're all playing in the NFL right now. So maybe it's just a matter of time of getting them, or in, in developing the guys that are. I don't know. You know, here's the thing that's if you just want to talk about that defensive tackle spot real quick. You know, the most frustrating part in all of it is that, you know, A, you, 
you're coming in. All right, this for those that say, I want answers. Why isn't this? What's going on here? Let me try to give you one. And you decide if it's sunshine pumping uh, or blowing smoke up your backside. Okay, I think that's what – who was that? Was that uh, Atlanta Sooner that had made that analogy earlier? But you're inheriting a roster that has and, – and had a completely different mindset of what they wanted their defensive linemen to look like. Completely different mindset. Uh, and, and listen, I'm not knocking anything. I'm just giving you some facts. Alex Grinch, um, in what he wanted and in what he demanded of, of his defensive line, he didn't want the big old nose tackle and um, Cody. So who was the big uh, Sean Cody? Was it Sean Cody? No, it wasn't Sean Cody. Who was the former Alabama Crimson Tide guy that played at Baltimore and was just, I mean, plug the middle, right? He, he didn't want that. He wanted Svelte, athletic. He wanted speed D. Uh, Jamar Kane, when he was talking about his edge rushers, said, I want a power forward. I want a power forward, man. I want that bend. And, you know, that's that's their mindset. So fast forward, you then bring in a group that hits the portal and tries to find guys to help fit that mold that hasn't really been the goal here over the last, what, four years? Sure, and that, that's a fair point. No I, doubt it is. So, so I, again, I want to make this clear. I'm not making excuses because they brought in uh, Jonah Laulu, uh, Laulu, who I, I, I think looks like he might be playing edge a little bit more. You bring Jeffrey Johnson in, who's over 300 pounds, to try to plug that interior a bit, right? But it's just, Josh Ellison gets up over 300 pounds, right? Isaiah Coe has flashes. It's just, it's a position, which then, you know, what, what you, my counter is saying, well, why the hell are we doing it, right? I, I don't know. But I do know that from the personnel that was here, it's not necessarily in line, the, the defensive tackle-wise specifically, with what would work in the defense we're running. I think that isn't too sunshine pumpy. That's not too uh, overly positive. That's still pointing out where there would be problems. And it leaves you with a way to complain because then you could counter by saying, well, then why are we still doing it? Don't know. Don't know. That's, uh, I'm sure, a question that Coach Roof is getting when they meet with the media here in about 30 minutes. And I'm sure that's one that Brent Venables is going to get tomorrow during his press conference. And we got Miguel Chavis with us at Coach's Corner today. Maybe we'll talk to him about it. But it's just there's there's one way that I think I can give you an answer. Uh, anything else you want to add to that, Josh? Like I said, I'm, I'm trying to be – I'm trying to make sure I don't uh, – I, I try to give answers here. What was the uh, young man's name from Tulsa that wound up at Baylor – this offseason, the defensive lineman. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly. Jackson Player, does that seem yeah, right? Yeah, has he been much of a difference maker for them? Um, yeah, let me look at their stats real quick. I, well, and that's kind of unfair because I don't know what the stats would look like for a defensive tackle, but he wasn't listed among their starters for a while. Yeah, it seems like maybe he hasn't necessarily. Because they have Ika, who's a beast in the, in the front, and they run that three-man front. But 
you know, oh, uh, Siake is who they have the tackle. He's an NFL guy. But, yeah, player hasn't been bad, but he hasn't been like a rock star like he was at Tulsa. Right. I mean, probably similar to some of these guys, Jeffrey Johnson, Jonah Laula, is that fair to say, for Oklahoma that they went and got? Yeah. So there, there's just an indication for you that that was a miss, right, in the transfer portal for Oklahoma, and yet we're kind of seeing that there's only so many Band-Aids you can put on via the transfer portal, at least at that position, right? Yeah. Defensive tackle, edge. I just think that, that those probably have to be positions that you you do well at re- recruiting, and that's why the David Hicks miss a couple of weeks ago, that's why that one hurts for Oklahoma, right? Because you thought maybe you had that guy. And uh, obviously that that's – I mean, that's it, Plank. Defensively for the Sooners, everything starts getting corrected if you can land a couple of those guys and develop a couple of those guys. They had them at Clemson. I still believe this staff will get those guys. But, uh, you know, everything's connected and you got to start winning, right, to be able to sell those guys that this is the place they need to be. Yes, by the way, thank you to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Terrence Cody is who I was thinking of. Someone brought up Kelly Gregg, too, another great example. Just dudes that you plug in the middle, and if you're going to run that, that, that center and that guard, they're, they're locked up with that dude. And it lets a couple guys eat. Um, I keep falling. I keep falling behind on breaks, and I don't want to do that. So, quick break. Uh, listen, there's some guys. Sooner Soldier, John Arnold, um, Clearwater Sooner. I'm just rolling the Jesse that have been on fire. So, I'm going to try to hit <laughs> – I'm going to try to hit all of, uh, all of the best of the Air Comfort Solutions text line when we come back. Plus – Brent Venables did give us an update on Dylan Gabriel uh, Saturday and kind of talked about the frustrations. We'll get to it coming up on a busy day on the Home of Sooner Fans. Oh, I made a mistake during that break, Josh Helmer. I made a big mistake. I uh, I jumped on Facebook. Not a good call. Anyway, welcome back into the Home of Sooner Fans, the ref. Though, I, I keep waiting. I, I have a friend that I texted that had uh, left a message, and I hope that they get back to me because it may have been one of the greatest greetings I've ever received to a voicemail in the history of voice. I played it for you, right? Doesn't it pretty much? <laughs> yeah, it's right. it's great. It's great. Did we get the go-ahead? I, I have not heard back. Oh, come on. Yeah. Right, so listen. Listen, if you have a text message from me that you haven't replied to yet, people, I need you to reply, all right? I mean, what are you doing? Do you think work's important? This is – help us out here. This is this way more be, important. Hey, this will be when Theron replies to my text ask, asking if we are having the Fantasy Football League this year. <laughs> like, yeah, hey, we got it now. Sorry I missed you. <laughs> all right, so uh, Brent Venables was asked in the post game about kind of the, the, the process and – in, in Dylan being out and moving forward, what that looks like. Well, the, the con- concussion protocol, uh, obviously that's uh, up to our team doctors, and they evaluate him throughout the course of the week, and, you know, they, they get to some points where they, they make decisions, uh, good or bad, or, hey, let's continue to evaluate him somewhere in the mid- midweek. Uh, you know, we we realize that he probably wouldn't be uh, the guy. and. And certainly, you know, the, the health and the safety of our players is first and foremost. I'm a dad. I had a son get a concussion this week. 
uh, in a moped accident. He didn't. He didn't travel to, to Boston College. So, uh, you know, uh, nothing more important um, than uh, being uh, mindful of, of of our players' health. And so, um, uh, but he 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 actually he felt great. You know, uh, whatever the protocols. I don't get into all the. Uh, the weeds of it. I don't get frustrated by it. It is, is what it is. And um, for all the obvious reasons, you got to uh, be incredibly uh, cautious and uh, careful. And um, uh, so, but he starting on, you know, Sunday, Monday, you know, he started to feel, you know, much better. And, and I don't think he had, uh, to my knowledge, any setbacks during the course of the week. So we'll see. They'll continue to evaluate him and uh, you know, on his availability, they'll they'll let me know. They they played out the play fake. I mean, I'll I'll give them that. If there was, if there was one thing from Saturday that you could say that Oklahoma did very well, um, outside of a little intel that one of us received, it, you know, if you didn't know that he wasn't going to play. Mm-hmm then you would have thought, by God, this guy is playing because he went through and did every pregame thing that he normally does, Josh. I mean, everything. And I've learned, you know, I've, I've learned through my time, you know, down there with Dusty and Teddy and, and, and now Gabe and Roy Williams before, the kind of, I don't want to say the tricks, but just the gamesmanship, right? I don't know if I've ever seen seen it played out like that. I mean, when they when they broke the huddle with their first team offense, right, before they went back to the locker room for the last time, he was the guy. And if, you know, if you're just not – if someone hadn't said, you know, I don't think he's playing, then you're probably, you're probably sold that he's going to go because there was nothing different. CeeDee Lamb did everything different against Baylor. Whenever he came out, you're like, this doesn't seem normal. He never works out in, uh, over there and does anything. And then he didn't play. DG, Dylan Gabriel, did everything he typically did. So, of all the stuff, they played out that fake. Now, I, obviously it wasn't anything that became advantageous to him, but they, they definitely led us to believe, Josh, that it was going to be Gabriel on Saturday. They did, yeah. <laughs> Tried to sell that thing and uh, obviously uh, didn't wind up being the case, which – you know, that's what you're supposed to do is make it appear as though Dylan Gabriel was going to play. But, you know, hey, <laughs> what are you going to do? I, I wonder uh, how fooled or unfooled Texas was, and it probably didn't change things for them a whole lot, right? They, they, I'm sure, planned for all options. You know, what's interesting, though, is when Gabriel, the moment we like it was confirmed he wasn't playing, was literally not until the team took the field. And I, I don't uh, – Shep, I, I don't know if you guys, you know, notice this as well. I He was down there a lot in the first half. I don't remember seeing him much in the second half. Just, just down there amongst the quarterbacks. He was there early, and, and I don't know if they, you know, if he went, and I don't think he would sit in the stands or – if you watch from the locker room or what, and there's not a lot of – it's not like necessarily a rocking locker room or anything, but I think that's going to be the biggest question among the many questions this week, and that is the health of Dylan Gabriel and whether or not 
he'll be ready to go 11 a.m. Saturday against Kansas. Can we kick around the comments from Brent Venables that I, I think you touched on this briefly earlier or alluded to it or mentioned it, the working the team too hard or the team being tired. Can we broach that next? Let's do it. What a tease. It's the Plank Show on the road at OU for a Monday edition on the Home of Sooner Fans. So, in lieu of our top five stories of the day, um, every Monday we kind of do our top five things from the weekend. But since there's not five things that we can find from the weekend to get into, uh, I've been challenged by the Air Comfort Solutions text line to come up with answers, Josh Helmer, answers. So I have my top five ways to fix it. Now, I want to make this very clear. I know this is shocking. I wasn't a standout all-star high school, college, or pro football player. Settle down. It's okay. I've lived with that regret. Thankfully, none of my high school football pictures have shown up online. It's embarrassing. But, and not because, like, oh, look how fat. No, no, no. I, I was ter- I, I didn't even look like I knew how to wear my uniform. It's very embarrassing. And I had a mullet. And I was trying to be a quarterback, and I didn't really know how to throw the football correctly. It was like, oh, for everything. Anyway, I digress. But I've got some ideas on ways to fix it. Now, one thing that you wanted to talk about here is actually number five on my, my list, and that is are we straining too hard in the preparation, right? Is it, is it, is it where these practices are hard and physical and what you want them to be but that disconnect from what appears to be a great week of prep to game day on Saturday might just be a team that's exhausted, Josh. And to a certain degree, you know, Brent Venables alluded to that on Saturday. Not, oh, we're tired, but just kind of gave you that idea that maybe that's something that they're going to look at. First off, (laughs) probably worth exploring at some point just the peculiar nature in Oklahoma showing up so late to the press conference. We've never really seen that at the Cotton Bowl, even with some of these Texas beatdowns in the past. I don't know that we've seen that. And, you know, I just think that's interesting to explore in some regard uh, at some point this week. The uh, the comment that Brent Venables made, though, about this team being tired, man, my, my initial reaction to it, we've spent so much time this offseason talking about being Schmitty-built and the strength and conditioning portion of Oklahoma and – the strides that we thought that Schmidt and company were going to make in this program obviously have not seen those results yet. I don't think this Oklahoma football team, to me, I don't believe that they are too tired going into these last three football games. I just I find that hard to believe, though. The guys that are fighting the fight, waging the war throughout the week and getting geared up to play Kansas State, TCU, and Texas, maybe they – We'll have different opinions on that, and I would imagine that's going to be a big talking point this week. I will say this, though, Plank. This is the reason I wanted to talk about this. It shows me, and this is probably the most concerning thing I've seen from Brent Venables so far, it shows me that he's second-guessing everything that's going on now. And as a first-year head coach, that's scary that now the idea of am I doing this right is creeping in, right? Because when you say, maybe I've overworked the guys too much, that frightens me a little bit. I, I, I can't really fight you on that. 
some would say you're you're getting you're finding your footing and you're learning how to be a head coach and you've got two former head coaches there to help you through this process to understand the unknowns you've got I mean I'm telling you what dude he's got great dudes he's got smart people around him really smart people Woody Thad coach Wells I mean these really sharp guys that can help to be able to balance all these things and Sometimes whenever you hear that from a and a great strength guy in, in Schmitty, you know Texas A&M never looked tired, right? Um, Oklahoma never looked tired before with Schmitty. He fought through, man. These guys grind it. So I guess my only attempt at pushing back on it was, you know, maybe it is different whenever you don't have. And I always go back to Clee Farrell, right? <laughs> maybe it's a little different room when it's not Clee Farrell and Isaiah Simmons and. You know, you're, you're looking at that broad approach to things, and you've got to realize, all right, we might have to dial this back a little bit. Now, your hope is that it wouldn't have taken 49s up um, or that everything would just continue to roll uh, in a positive direction. But, you know, if you say you go in every week and you strip it to the studs, I mean, if that was the thing after week one, week two, and week three, then you're doing that same thing in week four, week five, and after week six. And, you know, I – Maybe we can go back to what was going on week three. <laughs> we could do some of that stuff. I don't know. But it's a fair point. And, yeah, the dude, that post game, I felt terrible. You know, it's just we're sitting there waiting, and you know that Coach V has a lot on his heart, and he wants to make sure the players know it. Um, And we're sitting there by an elevator just – you, you want to make sure that your team knows that you're with them and that there's areas they need to clean up. And it was um it was quite post game, man. The press conference was the press conference was hard. And it just kind of magnifies right now where we are and no one really seems to have an answer. See if they can't figure it out going forward. We're gonna talk to Miguel Chavis here in a bit, Jeff Levy here in a bit. You're gonna hear from Lebs and Ted Roof and their pressers, plus uh, we got our top five ways to fix it next right here on the ref. 